Praise the Lord. I'm so glad for my wife. All right. Amen. Praise the Lord. And I'm so glad for each and every one of you. You make up this service. I said, you make up this service. And when the presence of where the presence of the Lord is, there is liberty. So thank God for his presence. Can you say amen? Thank God for his presence. Listen, uh, we've been going over Galatians. And uh, if you were following, Galatians is a book. It's a little different uh, because Paul is writing to several churches through one letter. Mainly he writes to a certain city. And within that city, there is a church. But when he's writing to the Galatians, it's plural because uh, uh, Galatia was a, a, a region. It was a region. It was like a county. And many cities and churches were there. So he had been there before. And now he's received the news that what he had taught them, preached to them, uh, they were introduced to other philosophies, other doctrines. And it was like they tend to forget. And, and Paul, uh, I mean, he prayed for them. He sacrificed for them. He labored for them and with them. So now, I mean, they're, you know, they're, I don't want to use the word backslidden, but they were in a condition that they were confused better yet. So when you see the, the writing to the Galatians, you see the, the anguish, but at the same time, that thought, they've got to come back. They, they've got to come back. Have you ever been there? Did you, you heard someone say, you got to come back. Thank God for those people that tell you, you got to come back. Yeah, I, I've been there. Maybe I haven't been out there in drugs, but discouraged. Amen. And, you know, you feel down. And all of a sudden, someone comes to you and says, you, you got to come back, man. Let those things go. Let, let those things go. You, you got to come back. Thank God. And here, here's Paul. Here's Paul. Said, hey, you got to come back. And he's trying to reaffirm to them. He's trying to reaffirm to them. There's a way, way back. So now we're, we're in chapter 4. Chapter 4 starts this way. Paul tells them who they were, but better yet, what they were. You know, sometimes we think we know who we are, but not what we are. And Paul is telling them, it's not just who you are, but what you are, what you possess. You know, that's, that's the reason that I, I, I used to struggle with the term Christian because I was confused. And let me tell you something. And it brought confusion. And let me tell you why it brought confusion to me. Because everybody's a Christian. Because if you just think of Christ, they would call you Christian. But I'd rather use the term sons of God. And let me tell you why. Because now when you're a son, as you see the verse 
the, the one through seven, you see that Paul is telling them. I'm just giving you the foundation. Paul is telling them, hey, when you began this, you were, you were, were, you were as children as a child. And a child can be a millionaire, but yet he does not know what that means. And when you don't know what it means, you can never value it. And when you don't value things, you can lose them in a flash. Huh? Give you a million dollars. Someone comes to you and says, hey, let's go to Vegas. They sit you down on a stool, and it's gone because you never value what you have. But someone that values, they say, no, this is a million dollars. I'm not going to waste it. I'm invested. And what we have is something more than money. And what we're doing, we're investing in the kingdom because there's greater rewards for us. So Paul tell them, as children's, you didn't know what you had. That's the community you need those that guard you, those that tutored you. But now when you develop, now you know that you're not just a, a child of the house. Now you're an heir of the house. You possess something. There's an inheritance within you. And when you, now you know what you have, now you develop and you develop within the kingdom. So now we're going to verse number eight. This is because you have done all this. Now, let me bring you back to thinking. But then, indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not gods. God. And it's not a capital G, but a lowercase g. Not God. But now after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak? What? I want you to say it with me. But now after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and what? Those things that are, are the beginning. You go back so there's no development in you. That's what he's trying to tell them. To which you desire again to be in what? Because what he has done, he's taking you out of bondage. And now you're going back into bondage. So now we're going to see that it's not a scolding that he's doing. No. Because God is a God of love. He doesn't want to belittle, belittle nobody. He wants us to grow and to reach the dimension that he already purposed in his heart, you and I should have. 
God is a God of greatness. I say, God is a God of greatness. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I ask that you, in these few moments, bring the enlightenment of your word. I pray in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Amen. Someone say amen. Oh, come on. Someone say amen. All right. So now we see Paul. Paul's talking to these churches. And he wants them to understand that this is more than religion. More than religion. This is something that's real. And this should be a relationship with God. Not a religion. Because religion brings traditions and ceremonies. And you live by those. By religion, from, re- from ceremony to ceremony. From cer- you, you look at the, at, 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 the, at the people of Israel. It was from feast to feast. From ceremony to ceremony. And then they would bring these ceremonies to remind them that they were one slave. So they needed something to encourage them to keep them going. And when I see this, then I go into verse number, I go into verse number 10. And verse number 10 tells us, you observe days, months, and seasons, and years. Now, I want you to understand this. It's not by what we observe. In other words, this is not just because it's Sunday I have to be in the presence of God. See, it's not because it's youth camp again that God's going to touch me. It's not because it's November. November's coming up and, and convention's coming out. Youth conference is coming. So now, and this is what... Paul is trying to tell the Galatians. Now, you have to understand one thing of the Galatians. The Galatians are in the midst of, of, of confusion. Why do you say that, Brother Prado? Because the Galatians are not Jewish people. The Galatians are Gentiles. So they are in tune with what? With pagan rituals. And they have all these gods. And these gods are merely things that they observe and and they follow. And that's because if we go back, he says, hey, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not gods. In other words, the sun is not a god. The moon is not a god. Those Those idols are not gods. And he says, hey, but you still serve them. And then they enslaved you. Why? Because, hey, now you have to to offer sacrifices. And you do it because of rituals and ceremonies. And so you try to pay a sacrifice in true sincerity that would not benefit nothing to you. But yet you gave, you sacrificed. And what he's trying to tell them here, hey, you're doing wrong things to wrong 
deities which are not truly deities. And, 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 and don't we have it today? Don't we have it today? Huh? Don't we have it today? Because you know what? In the human nature, that's what we follow. We try to follow something that is not true, but it will bring us a satisfaction. And then what happens? All these idols that are not God, people are following him. And some of you were not born, but there was such a man like Jim Jones who dragged crowds into the jungles of Central or South America and took them there. And people were worshiping him as God, and he was not a God. And giving them obedience, giving obedience to him who offered nothing but what? Bondage and slavery. And Paul is trying to tell them, you've got to come out of that bondage. Why do you want to go back to bondage? And don't we think, don't, don't, don't we, better yet, don't forget that sometimes religion could be that bondage too. Religion can be that bondage too. And God wants to free us from religion and come in with a relationship so that we can relate to God as the true God that he is. Oh, I wish someone would follow me right now. So Paul tells them in verse number 11, I am afraid for you lest I have labored in vain. In other words, if we go back to chapter number three, he tells them, he says, I presented Christ to you. I presented the freedom. I made it so real. Go back to chapter three. And he says, I made it so real. And I presented it in such a way to make it like if you were there when they were crucifying Christ. Man, I made it real. But all of a sudden, you forgot about that connection, that encounter that you had with him. How many remember when you had that first encounter with Jesus? Huh? How many remember that first encounter with Jesus? When you came to him and you were dead in sins and he gave you life. When you were lost in sin and you found the truth. When you were confused and God came in and gave you truth everlasting. Do you remember that? Huh? When you came in here hopeless and you left here with hope. You remember that? Huh? When you came in here sad, not knowing what you're going to do next, and all of a sudden God got a hold of you, as the chorus says, hey, I went to church one day, my heart wasn't right, but Jesus got a hold of me. You remember that? Huh? When Jesus got a hold of you, something happened. And when you left this place or wherever you had that encounter with Jesus, your life changed. It was transformed. It was not a religion. It was God himself who manifested himself to you. Do I have a witness in the house? Do you remember that? So now, Paul is saying, hey, I know what you're going through. I know what you're going through. 
but I want you to mature. That's it come ever since you've heard me. I've always told you. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. And that relationship has got to be daily. Everyone say daily. I said daily. Say daily. Man, you know what a relationship is? You come into unison. You come into oneness. You can't live apart. Amen. How many of you are in love? God have mercy. I said, how many are you in? How many of you are in love? Man, you're making me sweat, man. <laughs> how many of you are in love? All right, let me go forward because I'm not going to get stuck here. Listen, when you're in love, you cannot be without who you are in love with. That's the reality. When you're in love, I remember, I didn't even know what it was, Brother Montesioga. But I said, I was in love with Sister Prado. I used to, we used to go to the same church there in Hosanna. Now they have chairs, right? But they have those big old pews, those long pews. From one side to the other, the guy, the guy sat on one side and the girl sat on the other side. Man, I went to church to, to see Jesus, but to see Sister Paula too. Every chance I got, I got my witness and forgive me, Lord. I, was, I, was, I should have been there just raising my hands, but every chance I got, like if she was going to fly out of there, leave, you know. My thing is, when you have a relationship, you cannot live without. You cannot laugh. Every day I would call her, I can't be without you. Every, I just saw her at church, I would go home. And she knew as soon as she walked into that door, that phone would ring. Am I saying the truth? Can I have a witness? She said yes. Because it does something to you. So now, Paul says, hey, I urge you to become like me, for I became like you. Something happened. So, something happened. I'm a Jew, but I became a Gentile. And now I want you to become like me, because I know what it can make. It makes us one. So now, I want you to understand this. And Paul, what Paul, what Paul is trying to tell him is that I want you to know what I know. I'm not going to be selfish about it. See, when we come to church, we come for an emotional trip. I love our praise team, and they help us. They cover us. I'll cover me. I love the music. I mean, it gets me going, hyped up. Listen, the real reason why we come to church is to have an encounter with him. You see what I'm saying? And so Paul said, I'm not selfish. I want you to be like me because I become like you. 
And I delivered myself to you. And we're going to find out what he's trying to tell us. So he says, I urge you. I want you to become like me. Because I've become like you. Say, make us one, God. Say one more time. Make us one. Oh, come on. Make us one. Make us one. And I want you to understand. That's like I said, Paul is trying to lift us up. Or trying to lift them up. Or I have not. Or, listen, you have not injured me at all. In other words, you haven't hurt me. Because I know that your hearts are good. And that's a come. We read chapter one, chapter two. And he says, chapter three, he says, Oh, Galatians, you are foolish. And it seems hard the way he's speaking. But what he's trying to say, your actions are foolish. Don't we commit foolish actions? <laughs> Don't we commit foolish actions? On a daily basis, Paul says, hey, daily I sin. Daily I fall short. Daily I commit wrong. Because we commit foolish actions on a daily basis. And we have to recognize it. Someone say amen. Come on, someone say amen. Because, listen, he goes on to tell them in the next verse, he says, you know me. Because when I went to you, you saw my weakness. And my weakness was my infirmity. But you are not bad people. Because as you saw my infirmity, the goodness within you, I know that you would have plucked your own eyes. And gave them to me. Because by this time, Paul was not able to see right. That's the when he writes to Timothy. It's not him that's writing. But it is Titus that is writing. Because he was sick. But now, as he speaks directly, strongly to them, he doesn't leave them down. Have you, has someone ever put you down? Has someone ever put you down? And then when they have you down, you're waiting for them to lift you up. And they just walk away. But thank God for those people that can correct you. But in the midst of correction, they can heal you. And this is, this is Paul's action. This is Paul's way of, hey, I'm going to correct you, but I'm going to show you the way. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to drop you. Because that's God love. And that's what makes us what we ought to be if we become not only Christians. The reason that they said you're Christians is because they saw the Christ likeness within them. But when we read how John writes, he said, now we know that we are the sons of God. And yet... Listen, it has not appeared what we're going to be, but we do know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him because we're going to see him just as he is. The greatness about all of this is 
that we become like him. Make us one, God. Say, make us one. Oh, come on. Say, make us one. So now, we have to understand this. So now, there's a confusion because now we have the, we have the, the Jewish people and then we have the Gentiles and the Galatians were the Gentiles and the Jewish people wanted to sway the Galatians to leave their faith and to join them in Judaism. And Judaism is based on traditions. And Paul is saying, hey, they're jealous of you because you have hurt me and you have turned away from paganism, but they want to draw you back. And they call this, and he's saying, they're jealous of you. So now, remember this. The Jewish people that were talking to, to the Galatians saw Paul as a traitor. See, some of you don't understand this, but back, back in tradition, when you left their church to follow Jesus, they would call you a traitor. And that's what they were calling Paul. You're a traitor. You became a believer of God, a follower of Jesus, and you betrayed us. And what I want to get to you today is this. You're not following a religion. You're following Jesus Christ. You're not here. Listen, to have a mind that is just at ease because you come to church. No, your mind is fully satisfied because you have an encounter with Jesus Christ. And it's not until you have that encounter with Jesus Christ that you feel the satisfaction that only Jesus can give you. So then, I don't need to be condemning, condemning you and damning you and telling you this and you got to leave that. No, no, no. Hey, when God is inside your life, he'll show you how to walk, how to live, how to talk, how to dress. Hey, God will show you through his word, through his love, how to do things. And that is the difference. So when we look at the scripture, we, we see that Paul is trying to say, hey, Let's go just a little further. Let's go to verse number 19. Follow with me. Now, Paul is saying, what are you saying? My little children. Everyone say my. That makes it personal. My little children. If I came in the literal and talked to Brother Isaac and said, My son, Brother Barrera said, What are you talking about, buddy? Get back, Jack, because that's not your son. That's my son. Huh? Now, if I come to Victor and say, My son, get him, son. And I could come to second and say, I love you, son. It don't matter what you think. This is mine. That's right. That's right, sister. Huh? That's mine. 
You know why? Because I've supported him on his dive. <laughs> you know why? I'm going to tell you why. Because when he was a kid, I hurt for him. I cried for him. Huh? When he had his accident, I was there for him. I hurt for him. He's my son. And he knows that my love for him is unconditional. See what I'm saying? So now, when Paul is saying, thank you, my little children. Man, these guys were 45, 50, 60 years old. My little children. But it's all in the eyes of the beholder. Paul is saying, hey, I know what you're going through. Because you have not developed yet. But I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to show you how I feel for you. For whom I labored and birthed again. What did Paul know about labor? He's a man. All that Paul knew was the trouble and the anguish and the agony and the suffering when he would hear a woman go through labor. Man, I've been there. I've been there. I'm going to tell you a story. I was in a hospital. Uh, This young lady and this young man came to church and she didn't have a father, so she wanted me to be there. And and I used to tell the brother, I said, brother, I mean, she's going through labor, brother. I mean, I'm just her pastor. I'm not her dad, you know. No, you can't go, pastor. You got to stay right here. Ah, God have mercy. You know, it's not my wife. It's not my daughter. And all of a sudden, that's my witness. I started to feel because she started to suffer. In the midst of that, I I started to see tears. Face could have just changed. Is that what she was going through? I wonder if Paul ever saw that. Even though he was not a woman, but now he's experimenting something. And he said, For whom I labor in birth. Not, a, not work only, but I know because you have cost me. I know what I've gone through. So that you can come to the understanding of knowing what God wants for life. It's not just simply that I stand here and preach to you. I want you to be saved. I intercede, God help me to preach to them. So it won't just go in through one year and come out the other. But that that word that goes in will bring not an excitement, no, but a transformation in the life of the person. Do you understand what I'm saying? That when someone does not, listen, keep those things which they've heard and they decide to stray away, hey, I will hurt for them and say, God, bring them back. And that they will say, as Andre Crouch said, Take me back to the place where I first believed. 
Paul is saying there, hey, I want you to see that. I've labored for you. I labored for you. I've suffered for you. I've been there. Yes, my children whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. In other words, when you see a person, they have to see Christ inside of them. How is it, Brother Prado? Is there an image? No. But the fruit of Christ is supposed to manifest. Love, joy, peace, meekness. He's supposed to, ah, he is different. He is different. So, so this is what Paul is saying. For whom I labored in birth again until Christ is formed in you. They've got to see Christ in you. And that's the reason, and that's the trouble that Paul was going through because what he wanted was not for people to dress different, to be different, but they, while other people are watching them. Go to verse number 20. And I'm done with this. Everyone read with me. I would like to be and for I have The only thing that will take every doubt is Christ being formed in each and every one of us. And the only way is if we let him. Because even though Victor's my son, I could never force him. I'm his father. He could never twist my arm to make me. The only one that can do it is me or him and say, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. And the only reason I'm preaching to you this way is because I won't be satisfied until you open your heart and say, Jesus, I want to be like you, God. I want you to change me. I want to see you at work in my life and through my life. And he's willing to do it. And the greatness of this is that that's when life is manifested. Why? Because he says, I have come to give you life and life in abundance. Are we living the fullness of Christ? Are we living the fullness of Christ? That's what Christ wants from us. For us to live a complete life, a full life. That tomorrow when I wake up, hey, I'm Christ-like. You know, I come here in the morning, or I'm at home, and when I pray, I always recite this, this verse that says, This is the day, God, that you made for me to be glad and rejoice in it. Have you walked around these shopping centers and see these people like they're hurting? And they just have that face like they're hurting. But it's because of what's in them, lacking, reflecting. But when you've got God inside of you, we have Jesus inside of you. And the reason that we come to church is not to ease our mind. 
It's just to equip ourselves and to celebrate the birth of Christ inside of us. If you can stand to your feet, and what we need more than anything else is to let Jesus be Jesus inside of us. Oh, come on. To let Jesus be Jesus inside of us. I don't need to force him. Just let him be who he is inside of us. I want that. Right now you're going to go out and probably go to Denny's, McDonald's, back in the box, or IHOP or somewhere. What's your favorite place, Christina? Pelini, take me there. Listen. Wherever you go, let them see Jesus. Not because the preacher is sitting next to you, but because Jesus is inside of you. Let Jesus be Jesus. Let Jesus be Jesus. Let them see Jesus in you. It was this 90 old, she was not 90 yet, about 88. She was, or her name is Sister Mangan. She was in San Francisco. She said she walked into the mall. Nobody, nobody knew her. Someone was taking her there day before the conference. And as she walked in there, they would walk up to her and say, there's something different about you, ma'am. You're so jolly. You're so happy. There's you're something different. They would open the door and say, oh, you know why? Because Jesus is in me. That makes a difference. Jesus is in me. Let us go wherever we go throughout this week and say, hey, I'm taking you, Jesus, not with me, but in me. I'm not taking you with me. I'm taking you in me. Let's go, Jesus. I want you to be with me, in me. Let's show the world who lives inside of us. And if you don't have Jesus, if you have not had this encounter with Jesus, it's so easy. All you have to say is, Jesus, here's my life, here's my heart. I need you inside. I've got to have you. I'm the first one to witness today. Can't nobody do me like Jesus. Can't nobody do me like Jesus. As much as I love my wife, as much as I love my children, can nobody do me like Jesus? Money can do it. Nothing else can do it. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Is there someone willing to say, Jesus, go with me. I'm going to take you. I'm going to take you inside of me. Don't ever leave me nor forsake me. I'm opening this altar right now. Is there someone that wants to take Jesus with them today? Say, Jesus, go with me. Go with me. I'm opening my heart because I want you in me. I need you in my life. I need you in my heart. I need you. I need you in my life, Jesus. I need you in my life. I need you in my life. 
I want to be able to shine. I want people to see you in me. I will never be the same again. I will never be the same again. I need you in my life. I need you in my life. Every head bow. Every head bow. I need you. I've tried it on my own and I can't make it. I need you. I've tried to do things on my own. And I'll be the first one to testify I can. It's miserable without you. It's lonely without you. It's sad without you. I need you. I've got to have you. I refuse to walk out of this building without you. I've got to have you. People got to see you in me. People got to see you in me. I pray right now that from the crown of my head to the sole of my feet, I open my heart to you, Jesus. I open my heart to you, Jesus. I've got to see you in me, God. Speak well. Help me. 
Make that your prayer to say, my life is not my own. My life is not. 